welcome. Ready. Ready. Can you sing the little ditty that you did earlier that I wasn't recording? No, I can't do that. That will make everybody crazier than so forth and so on. (laughs) Um, All right. Welcome to this layer and version and episode (laughs) of The Journey. We are going to talk about pruning an organization because as the pandemic has hit, there's a lot of pruning going on, but not necessarily because people thought ahead of time and they're just trying to keep their organization healthy. They're doing it to keep the business afloat. And so we're going to talk about the reasons you might prune an organization, different methods that we've used, heard of, or, or tried. And we'll see where it goes from there. So I guess the first question is, so, so obviously with pruning an organization, we mean moving people on, right? Trimming it up, getting rid of, if you think of a tree, you think of getting rid of the dead branches. So the what dead, are the unproductive branches, dead, unproductive <laughs> branches that are taking all the nutrients from the rest of the tree? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so what kind of what are the top reasons you would want to prune an organization? And um, and then maybe we'll talk about the the methods that you go about figuring out how and when and and why to do that. Man, I've got I've got way yeah. more thoughts on pruning your organization than um pruning than is a I, hilarious than word. I thought I would have, but uh, <laughs> editing um, the team is another way I've heard it. Editing yeah. the team. Well, okay, so we'll get into the thoughts over the podcast, but but when I think about pruning, is there's kind of a couple types of pruning. There's um there's one your your trees are completely freaking out of control, just in in just go literal, but I think corporations can get this way too, that oh crap, I haven't trimmed the trees in literally three years. I'm on a wooded lot. Um, things are out of control and you just come freaking trim all the trees, right? So that's that's one so view of- are you doing pruning. it? are you doing it to keep the trees healthy or just because things are out of control in this example? Well, certainly because they're healthy. They're overgrown, they're out of control, they're unhealthy. Um, and I got into a really bad spot and now I'm going to do it all in, in one shot. So, so, so yes. So, so the reason for the pruning, I guess, is either. So, so yeah, yeah. Good point. So, so one picture of pruning is you let things go for a couple of years and you did your annual tree trimming every three years and things are just nuts. And so you've got a lot to do. The other way of pruning is obviously pruning as you go along and clipping the dead flowers off the, um, off the, off the stalk to make room for the new flowers and stuff like that. So there's kind of this to me, there's this picture that I have in my mind of just freaking catch up and making things look good when it got bad or, um, or just kind of going along the way. But yes, the reason for pruning is, um, is yeah, to promote, health. promote health and, um, health and, and growth. Those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that could be because of bad yeah. performers. Sometimes it could be because maybe you get into additional products and different things that aren't as profitable. It could be things other than just people related could be business strategies, all kinds of things, but it's to keep the organization healthy. And it could be a pruning other things like pruning expenses in other ways, not people related could be cost on software or whatever. If it's no longer needed, you know? Yep. Okay. So our overall thing is prune an organization to keep it healthy, keep it growing, just like you would prune trees, plants, flowers, whatever, to keep them healthy, keep them growing. And then the pruning can be 
people, it can be expenses, it can be products, it could be anything inside the organization that you would need to kind of clip off to make it healthy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think over time there, um, and this is one of my, my problems, I guess, but you observe a natural accumulation of resources, expenses uh, over time. And um, we'll get into human, human nature a little bit. And I don't know what you guys have observed in your, your companies and stuff like that. But um, um, yeah, there's just this uh, accumulation of headcount and resources and this. Um, maybe, maybe that's it. I, I want to step back and get into why is there this need for pruning? Um, and here, I'll just, I'll just do it instead of beating around the bush because, um, so, so why prune is we just take it for granted that things need to be pruned and stuff like that, that, um, that ultimately someone's going to need to make you cut certain expenses, get rid of certain people, do that stuff. Maybe that wasn't your presumption, Stephanie, but I'm just thinking of it the way it typically happens. Um, that some external force causes you to, um, to make adjustments. And, and so what I've, what I've observed in corporate life is that there are a number of managers that like to build empires and are afraid if they let go of resources, they're never going to get them back. And, um, so there's either that there's that notion or there's the notion of, Ooh, what else can I do in my little empire? Oh, I need to start measuring things. And I used to do things, but now I measure things and Oh, because I develop, I also need to big this big old project management organization to support my developers. No, I need a big quality organization to support my developers. And so you build these entire organizations and then, Oh, for my project managers, I need a program management office to manage my project managers. And so you build all these structures and all these things that are, are probably well-intentioned, but um, just in general, and this is coming from me as a, as a finance leader watching out over the organization. Yeah. There's this accumulation. And then that leads people to someone to ultimately reflect and say, do we really need all this? And, um, and, then, you, and then you prune from there. So you've typically seen it because of needing to prune, like looking outside and seeing your trees are overgrown versus having a process in place to kind of, like you said, prune annually or, or as you go along. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Which makes sense to me. I mean, especially if you're, you know, investing in, in other areas and trying new things and doing any kind of R&D, sometimes you're going to spin up divisions or organizations on stuff. But a reason to prune might be getting back to your core business. Like if you realize that that didn't work out, like then, you know, that may not be something you want to keep, you know, dumping cash into. So I would, I would right. think that's something you would want to be able to do. Yeah. Um, and, and people tend to love to spin up but they don't love to spin down. Right. And so they'll spin up and then they'll spin over. And Justin, you, you may acquire some resources to do this great thing and you sell this idea and, um, and you do that and, um, and people buy in. And then maybe over time that idea fades or fizzles or something just more important props up, crops up in the organization. You need to kind of borrow resources from your idea. Yep. And then they just kind of make their way in or you pivot off of that idea onto another idea and just people and resources get sticky in organizations. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Now there is typically the annual budgeting process, review process. A lot of companies go through um, 
reviewing the team members and doing nine boxer or different things to try to prune as they go. But probably to your point, if things are going well and everything's going well, then the budget process probably looks a little different than if things aren't going well or from a strategy perspective or a people perspective or whatever it is. Uh, but I also think that some organizations just have a culture of, look, if there's a dead branch, I'm going to work to get the dead branch off as soon as possible, whether that's expenses or people or whatever. And other organizations um, just let it gather, like you said, out of fear of if they let somebody go, they won't be able to get another resource or empire building or just that letting people go is uncomfortable. But, but it's certainly not uncommon for organizations to be bad at letting poor performers go. Yeah. And that, that's, I think that's a different, an important and different twist on it. Cause I was looking at it good, bad, or otherwise, it's just this accumulation of people or, um, or products. And, you know, again, at, at, our, at our company, um, uh, we had a variety of tools to manage service incidents, a variety of accounting systems, a variety of business intelligence systems, um, just all kinds of things that get pr proliferated through the organization. And um, so that's kind of one, one type of pr pruning is dealing with that. And then to your point, um, no, just straight up poor performers in, in your organization. How about pruning out poor performance to create room for um, either a standard for better performance or quote unquote, a high performance organization, whatever, you know, that, or, um, or that. And so, so I don't know when you thought of the topic, Stephanie, if you, if you were thinking of more the type of how do we prune our talent to kind of create room for high performers and, and just kind of send lower performers on their way? Or were you thinking of more the budgetary thing of, oh crap, our expenses need to be at this level and they're at that level, time to prune? It, yeah, no, I think I was, I was thinking of of both basically proactive and reactive. So I think there's a lot of reactive going on now because of Corona and there and businesses are having to adjust their strategies, adjust their staff, you know, prune the organization in all kinds of different ways. But I think there's also proactive pruning, both from a poor performer standpoint, kind of as you go along and then annual pruning of an organization. When you sit down and say, where should we be spending our money? Where should we be spending our resources? Are our resources being used the best way possible. So I think uh, when I thought of the topic, I just thought of it both ways. And some organizations are good at the proactive and they have things in place to, to make sure they're better at that. And then some are just, you know, more reactive. Yeah. And I think now there's some that are more reactive, but they're still doing, at least in my opinion, really good jobs of, of, of this. Right. So like, I know, I think Airbnb was at least uh, come to mind of the first group that created sort of a, um, I don't know, like a, a talent directory of people that they had uh, let go as a result of you know, just great. not being able to afford it. So you can go on Airbnb's website and look through different positions of people that they're letting go. And they're not letting them go necessarily on a performance basis, but they're right. doing it because of a, a, a need to adjust to the conditions of, of the yeah. market right now. And certainly, I'm sure they had to evaluate and figure out what people stayed and what people didn't. Um, right. But in a lot of ways, I think it probably boils down to the situations where you've accumulated all these, every, all these employees in areas that no longer make sense to spend in. 
Um, right. And so I imagine that they start with that and then kind of work their way. But yeah, you can you can actually go. And I think Uber did it too, but you can go to their website. I think it's like airbnb.com slash talent or something. And you can search through like everybody that they're trying to also market as to help get jobs, like good people that they unfortunately had to part ways with. Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of cool. And I, I found um, I found a link to an article I had been reading when I wrote this down. And it says four, four areas where organizational pruning is needed so that you can grow. So basically rapidly grow by pruning, just like a tree would or whatever. And the first one was staff and when should be pruning staff. And most of these things have to do with um, the staff themselves being not good players, right? They're undermining the work environment. Mm -hmm. They're causing other people in the office to be miserable. They're not willing to get on board with the mission, contribute and so forth. And in that case, you need to get rid of get rid of them as soon as possible. I don't know anybody who says, oh, I wish I would have just left them around longer. I took plenty of people that left them around too much. So one would be employees. The second would be lines of services, just constantly looking at your lines of business, your products, and deciding whether they add value and whether you should keep them. Um, whether they're increasing, whether they're growing, whether you have the right team in place. The third thing was pruning unhelpful systems, policies, and procedures, which that's a good one. I hadn't thought about it yet this morning, but just going through annually or however often it is saying, you know, is this, are these policies and procedures helping us or hurting us? Are they slowing us down or, or helping us speed up? And then the last one was uh, an unhealthy culture and, and changing and, and pruning various things in the culture to make sure that you can grow rapidly. So those were good. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, um, do we lose you or are you dramatic thinking? pause? I think it's dramatic, dramatic pause. pause. Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. forth and so on. So, so my background, um, uh, in finance. So, so what I get is that the only, um, the reason for a business to exist is to, is to generate profit, right? And, and profit comes from revenue and profit is minimized by, by expenses. So, so in general, um, and I've always been myself, I've always been a cost center. I don't, I don't, I've never generated a really much revenue. I, I guess maybe I've generated a dollar somewhere along the way, I guess. Um, but I really haven't done anything on the revenue side. And so, but I have helped to have expenses be less than they otherwise would be if I, if I wasn't there or I've helped to, you know, provide internal controls to organizations. I've done stuff that matters, but in, I guess that matters to the overall health of a company, but in general, um, expenses are bad and revenue is good. It, 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 in general, I mean, even though I'm, I'm calling myself bad in that context, and I realize that I have an important role to play in a corporation or people that do jobs have important roles, even if they're expenses. But, but the principle should be to um, try to minimize that and make expenses um, um, as efficiently utilized as possible. So, and then within, within the world of finance, um, if you're talking about accounting for something or paying bills or... Um, uh, or billing people, you know, those types of functions. Um, if I'm processing an invoice, 
for Stephanie's a CEO and Stephanie, I used you a lot at Active in, in, in trying to help the, the organization understand what my organization, my accounting organization, understand what's important and what's not. Um, yeah, it, it costs you a certain amount of money as the CEO to pay an invoice. And you may be shocked to know that it literally just costs 10 bucks. 10 bucks is going out of our pocket just to process and pay, you know, each invoice that we get coming in the door. And if you could not pay that 10 bucks, you'd love to not pay that 10 bucks. You'd love to have it be one because it really doesn't add any value, even though the bills have to get paid. So, so anyway, just this principle of, of always putting pressure on non-value added activities. And, um, so I think the the list that that you you built in there um, speaks to some of these things. So when I talk about ongoing pruning versus this place that an organization finds themselves a victim of, so to me the ongoing stuff, and this is part of what a good organization would do. But yes, dealing with your underperforming staff. If you'll deal with underperforming staff, then that is a great way to prune and it's going to drive efficiency in the long run. And so, and then, so you deal with your underperforming staff. You always ask, do I need, do I need this before I rehire and backfill anybody? It's great to go down headcount. Like that is great and should be celebrated. So before you rehire anybody, particularly for an underperforming person, um, you ask, do I really, really still need this or all the conditions here? And then hopefully you can go down ahead. And you always seek to improve efficiency in anything that you do. And then you, um, and then you measure it and you show over time, Hey, CEO, did you know it used to cost $10 to process an invoice and now it costs $6 to process an invoice since I've been here? Did you know that? No, I had no idea it costed, it cost 10 or six or that it was lower. You know, I just, I didn't know. Why would I know that? Right. And so if you can measure it, um, and so if you can actively work these things and you can measure it and you can show results and you can care about it, I think you can engineer a certain degree of pruning into your organization. This is one of the things that I think I did, I did well. And um, I was always able to illustrate um, in non-BS kind of ways um, what was just going on over the course of time. And so when draconian pruning exercises, and hopefully we'll talk about the more draconian pruning that comes in that I, I just think is, is sad, um, uh, that would kind of pass over my organization because I could, I could show that, man, when I started this, and this is active, when I started, my organization was 60 people. And when I ended, we were doing it with 30. And so when you can kind of show that over time, um, then you get a lot of uh, of trust extended long, to you. As long as you don't have a leader come in who says everybody has to cut twenty percent, regardless of what you've done or shown. Right, right, right. and that can happen, right. and that's the and that's the the draconian things that I've certainly right. been a part of and have and have seen happen. But but a lot of times those guys or gals, um, that's the reality of what they've got to do because everybody has a has a story and. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, um, it just depends what you can engineer in there. And if you're in, an, in the type of organization that values it, and then some other organizations are, um, timing wise, no, I know next year I'm going to have to get rid of four of my 40. I need to hold on to these underperforming staff. And then when, when the time comes, I'll have four people. I've already got them marked. I know who I'm going to get rid of. 
I've got, I've got the chips to give. And so people are smart. Managers are smart. They, they know how to play these games. And so once things become routine, then you plan for the routine. And if you do have that boss, he, he can kind of pull that off. He or she, they can pull that off once. But once you know the drill as a manager, okay, now I'm going to accumulate until you make me not, and I'm going to plan right. to not, and that'll just be in my plan. Right. And I can kind of deal with that. Um, yeah. Not, uh, not probably a very healthy way to lead. Yeah. So have you, have you guys been a part of the, um, talk about the flip side. Have you guys been a part of the, the more draconian thing where you had some weird target handed to you and had to, had to lay off people or were one of the people that was laid off as just part of an effort where you just didn't feel like um, the people got it or you're, you're forced to do something where you didn't feel like people got it who are making you do. No, I haven't. I haven't either. Yeah. I've never had to, nothing's been disseminated down to me to say, Hey, we need to let go of this group. <laughs> so right. never yeah. had to do that. Yeah. I don't think I have either. I think um, every, I've definitely been part of organizations who are terrible at letting people go and who just gather resources and you know there's way too many resources to do the amount of work. Certainly been part of that. Certainly been very frustrated at that. But even within those organizations, when things started going poorly and they actually did have to let people go, I think every organization I've been part of went through it in more of a a logical way of where should we be spending our dollars? And then what are the people we need um, to support those areas and not necessarily kind of an everybody cuts 20% at the end of every year type of thing. So I haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have. I was in more of a um, an environment where, yeah, it just, we had street expectations to meet and, and those types of things. And um and definitely people was a, was a lever that was pulled right. to manage expenses and meet expectations and all that, all those kinds of things. Um, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine public companies have, have a much more of that than private companies. Yeah. And especially if you're a, if you're a company that's been in existence for, um, 50, 60 years and, uh, you've got a lot of great companies and then you've just got a lot of accumulated things and, um, and, and things that are really, um, I don't think Defy ever got to this point, but, but there gets to be a point where the machine, the corporate machine gets so big that nobody really knows how it works. It just works. And, yeah. um, and then you just, as a leader, you get inquisitive and say, well, just can't we, we've just, I don't understand how, but we've just got to figure out how to do more with less. And so here's, here's a target with you. Um, yeah, we didn't ever get necessarily to that point, but everybody hated it when I would ask questions like, wait, why do we need this many people? What are they doing? What's this person doing? Are they really contributing? And, and I understand why, because it feels micromanagey. Um, so, so to me, the most important thing was the health of the organization. And the hardest thing for me was, when I had a leader that I trusted and I thought they were great and I thought they were smart, but I saw something different in the team or the performance or the person than they did. And then trying to, and then you have to figure out, and I was probably bad at just let, not probably, I was bad at letting the leader just do their thing and not saying anything. And I would, 
constantly ask, but wait, are you sure? Here's another example. Are you sure we couldn't find a person to do this type of job for less money given the quality that we're getting? And so I don't, I don't think my leadership team appreciated that of me, but I was constantly pushing and digging on performance and people and value. Yeah. Yeah. And as a finance guy, I think it's critical to apply that sort of pressure. And um, yeah, those are just important, important controls to me. Um, and then I do, you haven't been there, but um, I guess you guys haven't been through this as much, but, but I have seen um, in my organizations and in organizations around mine, pruning really, really um, work well. Like if you, um, if you do it, just creating opportunities for people to, um, for people to shine and for things to get better and for things to get more efficient and fundamentally change. It's really hard. Um, yeah, we haven't touched on this, but you guys would know, it's it's really hard to change organizations and to change how they work and what they do. And, um, uh, and pruning, I think is one really important technique in doing that. And if you, um, if you take away certain resources and have a mindset of, we've just got to figure this out, um, then it's pretty shocking what people actually do figure out in general. They don't just pack up and go home and fail. Um, in general, yeah. they figure it out. And so, so the two things for me, um, one, just back in the day, offshoring was huge and, and offshoring accounting and finance, um, those types of functions, offshoring development, um, offshoring call centers. So it was offshoring run amok, um, and kind of the first part of the two thousands, I guess. Um, I guess that's when that was, but, but I had to do a lot that of that. And I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't given a choice whether to do it. I was given a lot of latitude in terms of how we did it and, um, in my organization at least. And so, um, so with that, um, uh, what I was able to do was a, I got to, I got to choose. So I got to prune out, um, a certain percentage of my organization I got to keep all of my top performers. And, and I said, so, so what I want to do, I don't just want to send AP over there. I want to send 70% of AP over there. And I want to take, keep my two absolute best people to manage that process, to manage volumes, do stuff. So I want my two best and I'm going to give my two best raises. I'm going to give my two best bonuses and I'm going to give my two best, more interesting work than they've ever had before. So, so I'm going to get rid of seven. I'm going to keep three and I'm going to give them better jobs, more interesting work and more money. And, um, and the organization let me do that. And, um, and so with that, we ended up getting still having talent and still having creativity and ultimately getting better processes. And, and you think if you think of the barriers to pruning um, onshore versus offshore, offshore, it's kind of harder to prune and kind of easier to prune. It's, it's easier in the sense of there isn't this deep connection to the person. So it's like, OK, let's take it from 10 to 8 and, um, and all that stuff is, is fine, although I was try to be respectful with that too. Um, but B it's demystified. You don't get to see, you don't get to see the inefficiency right in your face either. So it's a little bit tough, but, mm -hmm. but anyway, that type of printing that I described in offshoring 
we, we literally did create new job opportunities for people and did preserve talent and did create um, some new processes and stuff through that, which was really good. The other example of good pruning that I've seen is, um, is Vista. The, the last company I w- worked for was a Vista company. And whenever Vista is a private equity firm, as a company, they have a lot of standards that they um, that they put into place. And one thing they encourage companies to do is move their corporate headquarters. And and by moving their corporate headquarters, they basically are pruning the entire organization. And they'll call it shaking the trees or whatever. Um, but you get probably ten percent of the staff at most going with the company to the new location and you hire from scratch. And then what they did on the other side of that, you, you offer people, you know, transition plans. So you do it in a very nice, nice way um, that people are welcome to come and, and move along. But so they basically prune the entire organization and then they rebuild with, um, with people that, that, um, you know, through, through, through a bunch of methods, they determine, you know, they try to find smart people. They try to find smart, inexpensive people. And so they prune, the, extreme. they prune the entire organization of what it had, <laughs> rebuild it with smarter, cheaper people, and um, fundamentally change the company when they do that. And I was, I mean, I did that. I, I went off, got rid of all the old people. Um, you can't say old. <laughs> yeah, not old. <laughs> The previous people, they weren't old, they were young (laughs) and some of them came and that was great. And some of them left and, and they, that was another place where they enabled, um, they enabled me to do it kind of my way. They said, this is what we're doing. It's coming from San Diego to Dallas. This is what we're doing. Are you on board? Are you not? I'll let you do it your way. And, um, but this is what we're doing. And so, so with that, it got to be the same thing, you know, um, this whole kind of cost reduction. But let's let's create winners out of this and let's give let's give anybody that's leaving, let's give them a good amount of runway to find something else and a good kind of um, retention plan there that kind of makes economic sense. Let's give the people that are going here um, uh, the right kinds of incentives and just let's make this all be nice. And um, and that's that's exactly um, what it was and how it turned out. But but at the end of the day, we we went from San Diego costs to Dallas costs. And we went from, um, yeah, just, just, we, we had a lot more capability on, on the other side of it through, through what kind of Vista put into place in a really draconian way, but they let us, they let us do it our way, which was, which was very good. So, so that was another place where where I think pruning worked out really well. That's a, that's so extreme to me. Like I get it, I guess. Do you think that's more of a test of commitment to upper management and stuff or? Or, or there may be a variety of things that 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 they do that for. I, yeah, I'm not sure. No, it, it's definitely a. Um, uh, I don't know if it's a test of upper management, but yeah, most of upper management, I think all this the CEO obviously has to right. has has to be on board. But the CEO gets to choose the spot and all that stuff. I mean, the CEO has to buy in before they even do the Vista thing. It's not like Vista is going to buy you and then say, okay, now you need sure, to do Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So they know what I'm um, going up front. Yeah, into it's, it up front. it's, you know, yeah. going in and you think, man, this, this could really, this could work. And you kind of get the buy-in for your business and, and, they, and they don't do it like, um, where, where they, where they would do it. I think the context for it, Justin, like in my business was, 
No, it, it was a leader, but it was stagnant. No revenue growth, sure. nothing happening, and just kind of this stagnant kind of thing. And so it's like, how do you awaken this stagnant, high potential thing? So they buy low, buy that stagnant thing at a stagnant price with a stagnant growth rate, and they try to fix it. Um, but they try to fix it in some really tangible kind of ways like that. Interesting. So, so it worked really well for that. But was that, uh, Stephanie, was that on the table for Defy when we were talking with them? Uh, no, that wasn't. We would, hadn't talked about that. And we were in Got a different it. fund. Um, ah, okay, the company okay. that John was with was Vista was a bigger, a bigger Got fund, it. larger companies. Um, not necessarily their smaller growth fund. Yeah. Sure. And I, don't, I don't think they would have that strategy with a, um, with a growth com- with, with a company that was in a state of growth. Got rolling. It. I don't think that would be their strategy, but it's, um, yeah, cool. it is, it is an interesting strategy when, um, when something needs to happen, uh, to fundamentally go it. So, so yeah. So, so in general, I think my experiences with pruning have been, um, have been positive, but then I've also seen enough of how in the world do you guys not know how important this individual is to your organization? Uh, I've got, probably five people I can think of on the tip of my tongue where, um, uh, how are you that stupid that you don't know how important or how valuable or how (laughs) capable this person is? And, and there are a number of those where that happens and it's just some, some person that handing down some target to some other person who doesn't know their people and doesn't know really what's going on. And, um, in my, in my view, I've seen that. Yeah. And, um, and that's just those organizations just, I don't feel like they have great success on the other side of it. Yeah. They're cutting the numbers, which is, which is great, but they're just not really achieving anything except for slashing some costs and having to scramble through a bunch of things on the other side of that. Yeah. And that always frustrates me. Yeah. There's uh, lots of bad examples. Well, very good. I think anybody have any last thoughts as we'll close this one out nope it's friday it's it's lauren's birthday no right? monday monday's her birthday no yeah. i know it's not today but it's oh. this weekend you're celebrating yeah. this weekend right you guys first birthday shots all around shots all around yep nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep big birthday weekend all right awesome all right thanks that's a wrap okay bye see ya